Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Spending a few minutes now with Sam Carcitti and Wayne Fish. They are in studio and they are here to talk about their new book, Philadelphia Flyers, the Big 50, and it's a, a great look at the the history, some great moments, players, stuff like that a lot, and we'll get into it, that, that kind of make up what the Philadelphia Flyers are all about. Gentlemen, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Uh, I'll start with, well, I'll throw this out here, whoever wants to take it. So where does the idea for this book start? Is this something... That somebody comes to you and says, we're interested? Is this something you guys pursue? How did it come together? Yeah, to be honest, uh, Triumph Books came to us, and uh, they're doing this with uh, all the professional hockey teams. And uh, so they came to us, and uh, uh, yeah, we put it together mostly in the summer and had a good time doing it. And it's a it's a, a book not just about the Flyers' history in the past and their success. They haven't won a Stanley Cup now in uh, – what, 44 years, but it's also about the present. And we talk a lot about the Gossis Bears and the Kadechnies and chapters on them and Provrove and Carter Hart even and uh, and a lot of off-the-wall stuff like Gritty and things like that. And uh, we have uh, a piece in there on Lauren Hart say, saying goodbye, singing goodbye to Ed Snyder in an emotional uh, farewell uh, before a playoff game. So... Uh, I uh, just don't want people to think it's it's just a book about uh, the Stanley Cup Flyers because it's far from that. So, Wayne, where did you guys start? I mean, obviously they they come to you and here's what we're looking for. How did you guys kind of start to, you know, idea bank what was going to be in, what was not going to be in? Uh, you know, how did you, how did it start to, to put it together? Sam deserves credit for that in terms of he laid out what he felt were the, the, the 50 – most compelling stories here, it's, and it's about the men and the moments. So, so some of these are about players. Others are about things like the draft or trades or uh, where they fit into popular culture. Uh, Gene Hart, who wasn't a player, but obviously, but was an announcer. Uh, and so I think what we were looking for is trying to get information that maybe the average fan or even the hardcore fan didn't know about. And in interviewing these players, I learned something. And I've been down there since the dinosaurs walked the earth. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, for me, it was um, it was an eye-opening experience in that I would find this little nugget that I didn't know about. And that's what I wanted to get into the book right away is that um, we know about Mark Howe, for instance, and the fact that he was nearly paralyzed when he slid into the old-fashioned net. And then, but, and then I find out that you know, there were moments there where he said, you know, he needed help in terms of people giving him support, his family, his dad, who's famous, Mr. Hockey. So these are things that I didn't really know. And so those are things I wanted to get out there into the book. So, Sam, when you're putting the – to get to 50, I'm sure you didn't just write, okay, 1 to 50, these are the things. You know, how long – you know, when you're still first putting the list together – how long is it approximately, and how did you kind of start paring it down to get to where you needed to be? Yeah, it probably was about 75 or 80, and it was difficult to pare it to 50. 
But the nice thing is we have a little, uh, we have a lot of sidebars. I think we have 50 sidebars too. So the ones that make the big 50, uh, they made sidebars and, uh, you know, gritty for instance is a sidebar. He, he doesn't get a full chapter, but, um, uh, uh, sorry to disappoint the gritty fans out there, <laughs> but he, he gets a big, uh, big hunk of press too, because of, uh, his popularity. And, uh, you know, we, we have, uh, uh, like a sidebar on all the announcers and some some names that people have long have long been forgotten, and uh, you know I would have liked to have made that a chapter, but we just, there's just so many iconic moments you don't realize it, um, you know from the five overtime game to uh, beating Boston in 2010 after overcoming the three nothing deficit and and. Uh, you know, the firing of Dave Haxtell, we go behind the scenes with the Dave Haxtell firing, how that really came about. And uh, they really have an interesting history. They do. And uh, But uh, we had a real good time putting it together. But uh, you're right, it was difficult to narrow it down to 50. When you're And when you start putting, I know when I, not specifically with a book, but when I like start to like catalog stuff either in my mind or for a story or something, I'll start off with one or two, and then kind of the floodgates open, and one memory leads to another, and that leads to two others. And then, oh, I can't forget this. Is was it kind of similar for you? Yeah, I, I think so. And and Wayne was a great person to lean on because he's been there for forty four years, the Flyers, and uh, you know I, I I've been only covering cover them for twelve. Uh, I started following them their first year in sixty seven, uh, just as a young fan. But uh, Wayne has been there through thick and thin, and, and uh, he was a great resource because he had firsthand experience, uh, you know, for a lot of those years. Wayne, you mentioned, you know, some of the smaller stories are that you had kind of were able to dig into. As you start kind of reflecting and going through the memory bank and, and old stories and old clips, was there a relatively big story that you kind of realized that you had kind of, I don't want to say forgot, but that had been pushed aside and you're like, wow, I forgot how impactful something like that XYZ was? I think Paul Holmgren is probably one name that jumps out at me. And I knew that he had been here as long as I have back to the 70s. And I knew that he had been through some adversity. But in actually writing a story for the Hockey News a couple of years ago, I stumbled on the fact that there was much more to the story about him nearly losing an eye. And I know that's gruesome and I know that stuff, but if you watch hockey, you know that people lose teeth. People, you know, sometimes they have eye injuries and, you know, other bad injuries. And I think fans want to know about the recovery. They want to know how did he come back and make it so far back. And uh, so I did that more research on Holmgren, the fact that he nearly died on an operating table in Boston because of a allergy to an anesthesia, which put him in anaphylactic shock. And um, they actually had his parents flown in from Minnesota. It looked like he wasn't going to make it. They had to bring electric in and stimulate his heart to get him going again. So he, he makes it through that. He comes back, has a great career, first American player to score a hat-trick in the Stanley Cup Finals. And since then, he's been in a position of things like general manager and president of the team. And what he is known for now is giving players a second chance so what I wanted to know was, in writing that story and in writing a previous story, was how did he come upon the fact that this tie into that, the fact that someone upstairs gave him a second chance, and that's what it is. It's the fact that he realizes now that people who have problems away from the ice, be it um, situations, I mean, as you know, that 
you can have problems with substance abuse or whatever. He's willing to take chances on those players and try to, quote, rehab those players because he was given a second chance. He feels he should pay that forward. So that's one that came out at me right at the beginning when we first started the project. I said, that's one I'm going to get into the book. And Ray Emery is a good example of that. Yeah. Ray Emery has some problems off the ice, and, and uh, Paul Holmgren, to his credit, you know, took a chance on him twice. As a matter of fact, he was back here twice. So, uh, you know, it's credit to uh, Paul Holmgren for uh, – for doing that and uh, giving giving a lot of players for the years a second chance, like Wayne said. So it's the big 50, but I know something we were talking about off the air is this isn't, you know, moment 50 to player number one. This isn't because I think we've we see numbers on books like this in today's media society, and we are conditioned that it's some kind of a countdown or something like that. But you guys are, are quick. No, that is, that's not what it is. It's just 50. That's the number of these moments, men, players that are in there. Yeah, exactly. and the, the chapters are listed because of just the chronology, the fact that you're starting at the beginning and then you're, you're moving how the team was formed and moving forward. But, I mean, it's not, like I said, if it was a popularity contest, you might have one of the flyers that currently popular mm-hmm. might be where, somewhere in the top five or top ten. It's just that that's the order that that was present, you know, presented. Yeah, and uh... – as you said, people think it's a canton. I've had people uh, on Facebook say to me, who's number one or what event is number one? You know, is Clark number one? Is this Stanley Cup number one? It, it, you're right. It's not like that. It's uh, uh, what we thought were the 50 greatest moments. Some, some of them were just the 50 quirky, some uh, some quirky things. Not the 50, 50 quirky things, but, uh, uh, you know, we had some fun with it too. And one chapter I did was, was like that. Uh, we talked about it a little bit off the air. It's, the Flyers in pop culture, and uh, I thought that was fascinating because it's it's how the Flyers' now iconic logo was spread uh, all throughout not only North America but all over the world, really. And there are people behind that, like like Richmond worked for the Flyers for years, and and he was a behind the scenes guy. When you see the Goldbergs, when you see Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, David Boreanaz in in Bones and Seal Team. Uh, and you see the Flyers jersey or somebody wearing a Flyers cap, there's a lot that goes on uh, to make sure they get that. Like you'll, you'll be watching the Goldbergs, and you'll see a Flyers pennant hanging up in the background. And, uh, you know, somebody recommended that. Or In David Boreanaz's case, he's a diehard Flyers mm-hmm. fan, and whenever we go to L.A., we see him because he's in the locker room, and, and uh, you know, he knows everybody now. But uh, and, and not only TV shows or movies – um, the Unabomber actually is another one. That's kind of off the wall. Uh, the good guy in the Unabomber is wearing a Flyers jersey that's chasing the bad guy, I should say. But uh, bands um, from Metallica to Fish, uh, Dave Matthews Band, Garth Brooks, Ozzy Osbourne, go on and on. Taylor Swift, they have worn Flyers caps, Flyers jerseys, and inevitably they're filmed, and that film goes all around the world, and the Flyers logo then goes all around the world. And, and uh, you know, that, that that means something to the Flyers. There's people that, you know, pay attention to that, and uh, they want their brand spread. So uh, I, I really uh, found that chapter fascinating because uh, it's just something that uh, you don't really think of uh, until you do a little research on it. And, and it's what that spawned from, that Broad Street bullies and the bad boy image that they got, so when you see that logo out there, there's a good chance that that represents sort of like 
counter-thinking. In other words, up until that time, it was a gentleman's sport, so to mm-hmm. speak, until 1972. The Flyers just flipped that over and said, you know what, we're going to come out here, we're going to beat you any way we can. We'll score goals, but we'll also knock you down. And, you know, we know the story of how the, the bad St. Louis Blues and the Bruins are always beating up the Flyers. So Keith Allen and Ed Snyder got to get together and said, no more of this. We're going to put together a bad ASS team. And they are that, – that thinking – Moved on after the after that generation moved on, the logo stayed still represented what that meant to this city, and sort of like it was us against them. The Flyers at that point, kind of there hadn't been a championship for a while. I think it was the Eagles were uh, 1960. Right. Um, so the, t- the city needed a champion, and they got one. And it, it's sort of like it's a in a way it's a blue collar town. The Flyers represented that blue collar ethic, and. Um, I think that even that lives today, as as Sam mentioned, that you see it on a lot of these things where, you know, they're sort of like characters that is, uh, that represent strength and uh, mean attitude. So I would imagine, I mean, you guys are both obviously very learned about the Flyers, but when you start doing deep dives for books like this, was there anyone who you have a new appreciation for the impact that they had on this franchise after going through the, the process of putting this book? Anyone that, I don't want to say you sold short, but maybe you you didn't quite realize how much they meant or the impact they had. Anybody jump out? Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the impact on the franchise or the impact on the NHL. Uh, Wayne Simmons is one of those guys for me because, uh, you know, growing up, he told me that Willie O'Ree was his hero. For people who don't know Willie O'Ree, he... Uh, he was the first black player in the NHL, played in the 50s for the Bruins. And Wayne Simmons credits him. He says, if it wasn't Willie O'Ree, I wouldn't be in the NHL because he opened the door for me and, and he got me interested in the sport. And uh, and Willie O'Ree, I happened to be there in the locker room that day. Willie O'Ree was uh, in Philadelphia. He was doing a clinic. He works for the NHL now. And, uh, you know, and Wayne Simmons, it, it was very cool to be there. Wayne Simmons went over to him and gave him a big hug and I, and they talked for a while and, and, uh, you know, Willie Reef, uh, was basically the Jackie Robinson of the NHL. And it was just great to see the interaction between the two and, and, uh, Wayne Simmons was like a 10 year old kid again. And they told me when he was in school, when he was 10 or 11, he did book, book, book reports on Willie Ree and, uh, it, it was just neat to to find out, you know, how he got interested in hockey, and and uh, and he, of course, made a a huge impact on the Flyers. We all know that, uh, and then was traded. Now he's with New Jersey, but uh, uh, yeah, that w- that was one of them. That that was uh, that was a special moment, and then we have a whole chapter devoted to the two of them. Yeah, and for me, uh, Brian Prop. Now he's uh, was a, a very good player with the Flyers, and spent many years uh, playing hockey here, but. Just recently, in the last three years, he suffered a massive stroke. And I spent quite a bit of time with him both before and after. And it's just remarkable how well he has, how hard he's worked and how far he's come to get where he is now. And if you ask anybody on the Flyers back to the first game, first day of this franchise, they know who he is and they know what he went through. And he is an inspiration now he's working with um, American Brain Injury. I apologize if I don't have this right. American Brain Injury Association, I believe that's right, um, to uh, make sure that people 
understand symptoms, early, early warning signs. And he's been the speaker at our sports banquet, the Bucks County Courier Times, uh, for a couple of years now. And, and uh, people in the audience, I mean, no one's talking. No one's looking at their phone. Eyes are getting a little moist uh, when he tells his story of how he recovered from this stroke and how many hours he put in. And now, if you look at him, you wouldn't, almost wouldn't know. I mean, he plays golf. He plays hockey. He had to learn how to re-sign his autograph because it affected his left side. So he had to learn how to sign with his right hand. And when I was – first time I was out with him was on Bill Clement's radio show at Chickie and Pete's, and he was signing autographs, and it was amazing that he was able to do that. Try that sometime. Try writing your name with the wrong – I couldn't the, do it. With the wrong hand. You can't do it. I can barely do so it with the right le- hand. He le- <laughs> <laughs> so he learned it and uh, – so for me, he's a big inspiration. I'm sure he's a big inspiration for the fans and for the, uh, the whole organization. And, and he, of course, was the Philadelphia Sports Writer Association's most courageous athlete uh, a few years ago. And uh, as Wayne said, just a wonderful story and a wonderful man. For both of you, favorite part of putting this together? Was it the actual writing, the research, people you got to talk to, working? What was it? Yeah, uh, probably a little bit of all that combined and uh, – it was uh, it was great to do to get updates on the former players and uh, you know what they're doing now and uh, some have turned their lives around and they're completely away from hockey. Um, some are still connected to hockey, but uh, but as Wayne said, uh, you know as you're doing research, you find a nugget and you're like, I didn't know that, and then you expound on it and you make up more phone calls and and. Uh, you know, we're still learning. I mean, we've been in this business for a long time, and it's always fun to learn something. So I, I think we uh, we both learned a lot, uh, you know, through the whole process. And then and it's it's satisfying to see it finally all come together because it's like putting together a puzzle, and you don't really know how it's going to fit. But uh, you know, hopefully the readers will enjoy it, and hopefully the puzzle, hopefully all the pieces fit together. For me, it's the stories. I mean, I. I... When you sit down and talk to players, you want information. You want to find out. You want them to say, yeah, he was a great guy. He was a good player, all the technical stuff. And then you find out these little stories. Um, Mark Howe said that his first shift with the Flyers after he was traded from the Hartford Whalers, he was breaking through center ice, and Paul Hongren sent him a pass, but the puck deflected and hit him in the eye. So he had to go to the locker room and get stitched up. And and while he was sitting there getting stitched up, the game was over, and Hongren came by, and he goes, are you okay? And, and, and Mark goes, yeah, I'll be all right. And Paul goes, you know, you really should learn how to accept the pass better. <laughs> and it's stuff like that. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, it takes a while. It, to, our, to Sam and, and to the credit of Sam and myself, the only way you're going to get that information is if you sit down with someone, look them in the eye, and you spend a time with them. In mm-hmm. other words, not just three minutes. Like your, the interviews that we do every day for three minutes, it's sitting down, getting relaxed, and then tell me about Mike Keenan. Tell me some of the backstories that I don't know. And that's how you get those sorts of stories and, and uh, get a little laugh. And like I said before earlier, there, those are things I didn't know. And uh, those are the ones – when I read a book, I want to learn what I don't know. Right. I, I already know a lot of stuff, but I, I may find five or ten things that I didn't know. And that's what, that's what makes it so uh, interesting. Yeah, and as both of you guys – like a beat is a grind. And it had to be – I can only imagine it had to be like – refreshing, rewarding to be able to work on something like this that was under your umbrella of expertise but different from what you're doing 
every day. It just had to be like a breath of fresh air, right? It was, and and we should give you know the people that uh, helped us out a lot of credit, including the great PR staff led by Zach Hill at the at, with the Philadelphia Flyers, because uh, you know hockey players get it. Uh, you know they're very cooperative and uh, low key people. A lot of them come from small towns. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, uh, some athletes in different sports have that entitlement, uh, for the most part, hockey players don't have that. So, so, uh, you know, props to, uh, all the former flyers and current flyers. They, they, they really did a great job of, uh, of being there for us. People want to get the book. It's out now. It's available, correct? It is. It's in bookstores and, uh, it's available, uh, at Barnes and Noble and Amazon.com, TriumphBooks.com, and uh, we have a couple of book signings coming up. So, uh, yeah, we're excited about it. And uh, uh, yeah, it just came out in early November, and uh, we hope uh, it does well for Christmas. That's the goal. Yeah, and you mentioned you said book signings. You had a date for one. I think it was uh, in Wayne coming up. Yeah, we do. We have uh, one coming up. Uh, let me pull it up here. We have one coming up uh, at the Main Point Books in Wayne, Pennsylvania, November 23rd at 1 p.m. And then uh, real quick for those in the Ben Salem area, December 1st at 2 o'clock. And for South people who live in South Jersey, we'll be at uh, the Deptford Barnes & Noble on December 21st. And uh, yeah, they can look at uh, um, my Twitter page, at Broad Street Bull, I have a list of all of them. We have, we have several on there. I won't go through all of them, but uh, uh, we have several that are listed on Twitter. And uh, appreciate you giving time, us time to mention it. Philadelphia Flyers, The Big 50, The Book, Sam Carcitti, Wayne Fish, The Authors. Gentlemen, this was fun. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you, Matt. We Thank appreciate you, Matt. it. Appreciate it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.